Yeah, big, bold and fruity red is how I self-identify. Hello, you are listening to Grape Culture, the podcast where we talk about wine, pop culture and feminism. I'm Kim. I'm Sam. And we hope you enjoy the show. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the movie Moxie, which is on Netflix and was directed by Amy Perler. Amy Perler. Amy Perler. But before we start getting into the film and why we're talking about it, we've got some wine. What is it? Tell me. Give it to me. Put it in my face. Don't mind if I do. So, I have a pun for you. I love when it's prefaced. This movie involves a zine. Oh, God. So, I found us a zine fandel oh, I'm here all week <laughs> what <laughs> I mean it's not it's not the worst connection we've ever had to a wine on this show so yeah no I was like I was like I want to find a wine that encapsulates the feeling of a zine you know that kind of rebel feeling and yep. then I was like but there's Zinfandels <laughs> and then I found a wine that does both which I was really pleased about so this is called Desire, Lush and Zin. Mm. It has a very cool label. It's it's very like alternative punky kind of label. And I was really excited by that. But then also like looking into the wine just kind of made me happy. And it is a, a Primitivo Puglia Zinfandel mix, which mm-hmm. is apparently quite a big deal. So Desire, Lush and Zin. Love big, bold, fruity reds? If so, you've likely tried Californian Zinfandel or Italian Primitivo. These sibling grapes may be part of the same family, but each have their own distinctive character. Zinfandel tends to be plush, polished and smooth. Primitivo is often a little more rustic and earthy with firmer tannins. Desire Lush and Zin is a marriage of the two styles. You'll find inviting aromas of cherry, plum, coffee and cocoa. Mm. It's full-bodied and silky with hints of black pepper and vanilla spice on the finish. The perfect partner for red meat or vegetable dishes with a rich tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. In 2022, this wine won an IWC award for the 2020 vintage. Ooh. And I thought that sounded great. Like, it was punchy. It sounded, like, quite bold. Like, it was doing something different. A real blend of different styles, which yeah. I think is important when we get to talk about this film. The kind of inclusivity that it, it and intersectionality that it's trying to portray. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it, it matched really well. Plus, the label's super fucking cool. Yeah. And I could definitely see the label being something that's, like, advertised or on a zine or used as part of the imagery around that. So, you can check that out on our Instagram. I should pour away. But it's going to be quite a heavy one and it's a pretty sunny day. So, that might be a challenge, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, big, bold and fruity red is how I self-identify. Cheers. Cheers. It's very dark. I like it. Hmm. Cola bottles. A little bit, yeah. 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 But not fizzy cola bottles. No, 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 no. Not with the sugar. Just like the... regular cola bottles. Yes, yeah. which underappreciated. For a heavy red, like for a big, bold, juicy red. Yeah. Surprisingly easy drinking. Yeah, it... Like, I don't feel like I need to be sat by a fire to be drinking this wine. No. It doesn't have the, like, the thickness that... The, the clagginess. The f- yeah. It doesn't yeah. Have... It feels like a wine that you would drink in a hot country, but of an evening. Yeah. Sitting in front of the sea... Yeah. I like it. I mean, yeah. I already had heartburn and I'm a bit worried that this is going to be more heartburn. But yes. It I tastes can... good in my mouth hole, so that's nice. <laughs> I can send you home with a packet of Gavscon. Thank like. you. Yeah, no, I am quite impressed. So that is the Desire Luscious Zin Primitivo Wine of Italy. Award-winning Wine of Italy 2020. I think that the, certainly from the, the label, if nothing else, it is a very good match with 
the movie. Yeah. Uh, the movie, once again, that we are talking about today, in case you hadn't picked up on it, is Moxie. So it's been out for just over a year at this point, and it is... Well, why don't you tell our lovely listeners what it is, in case they haven't seen it? Yes. Don't mind if I do. It's a film about a girl who is... She's, you know, she gets good grades, she plays by the rules, she does not particularly want to be noticed, and she has her best friend who also does not particularly want to be noticed. So the main character is Vivian, her best friend is Claudia, they're used to being, you know, good girls. And they go to what sounds like a fucking horrible high school. Oh, dreadful. In which the popular asshole jock type boys create a list of superlatives about the girls in their class with things like best ass and it's super gross and at the beginning of the film she's kind of like prepared to sit idly by i guess and then what happens is there is a new student who is harassed by these wankers and lucy yes lucy who's super cool Mm -hmm. and vivian is kind of inspired by her and also inspired by the riot girl history of her own mother to her own kind of rebellion and starts an anonymous zine exposing the shitty behaviour not only of the the boys in school but also the faculty and the people that enable these boys to behave the way they do culminating in potential expulsion feminist rebellion in school and kind of some pretty heavy shit being exposed in the middle of it she falls out with her best friend and because of their different mileage in terms of rebellion and has a sort of conflict with her mother as her mother starts to move on from her father who left when she was a kid and starts to find love somewhere else and starts to sort of try and live her life as an adult as well so there's quite a lot of like teen angst plus going to a really shitty sexist school yeah yeah that's true yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a comedy, but there are some very serious themes throughout it, and some, you know, very emotionally demanding moments. I, I think. But yes. what was your first impression? What did you think of it? Broadly, I liked it, and I was quite I don't know inspired by it in mm. a way more so than I maybe was expecting to be, because it's a different. I'm I'm past the experiences of of the characters in the film and i think that it did have some flaws that kind of put me off parts of the film but i really did feel like i broadly just kind of enjoyed it it was a good way to spend about a little over an hour and it did make me kind of feel a little bit like the kids are going to be all right Hmm. which was nice but also angry that i have to think that that the kids aren't just already all right paused it a few times to like have discussions about what was going on and like and a lot of things which i think is a cool marker for watching films at home mm-hmm. what about you yeah i i enjoyed it kind of more than i thought i was going to i don't really know what i was expecting going into this i thought it managed to give a more it, it reminded me of a lot of other films that i liked which i think helped but i mm-hmm. think it managed to make the teen movie teen high school movie something a bit more tangible than just oh no another cheer squad has stolen our routine or something like that do not malign bring it on (laughs) i will not have a bad word said about bring it on there is there are some very serious themes in bring it on you know what (laughs) no cultural appropriation by white people being one of them but generally you wouldn't say it is a a thought-provoking film whereas this felt like it was actually a bit more it, it tried to be a bit 
tried to give a bit more longevity, I guess. I don't know. It tried to it stay. Was, it, was, it, it was something that was designed to stay with you after having just watched it. Yeah. It was almost a film that happens to have teenagers in it rather than a teen movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's not another teen movie. We, but yeah, and also it 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 does does a thing which I think has been happening more and more in these kind of movies recently, where the focus isn't on let's just go for stupid high school humor. Let's actually try and give it a little undercurrent of maturity and nuance. So yeah, I I, I did like it. Like you, I think there were some some areas that could have been improved. Yeah, but it, it, overall, overall would recommend it to people. I think. Yeah. So net positive. It's quite a wee wee. It's quite a jam-packed film in terms of characters. Yes. Were there any characters that really stood out for you, positive or negative? Yeah, quite actually, quite a few of the characters did stand out for me and, and were quite memorable. A lot of them it was for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one that really sticks with me is Mitchell, who is the the jock football captain, who is not just meet her jock, but is actually addictive. Manipulative, sociopathic, sexual assaulty, meathead jock. And there's a line in it where people go, oh, that's just Mitchell. He's been an idiot since the second grade. And Lucy, the the, the person who's new to the school, was like, yeah, but he's dangerous. Mm. And I thought that was really... I I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, poignant. Because that is how... Because that's how a lot of behaviour passes is people go oh that's just so and so and you're like so and so is not acceptable yeah or like it starts so small and you almost don't realize that it's changing if you're really close to it regardless of situation this happens if you don't if you're really close to it you don't necessarily notice how much it changes into something dangerous yeah exactly so yeah i think that the way he was written was like like he you know felt viscerally angry about this person but that i think is a mark of good performance and good writing so he stood out to me. Lucy really stood out to me. I really liked her. I think she was. I think what was interesting about the way that she was written and portrayed is in a less. 30 years ago or more, I think she would have just been, quote unquote, the angry black character. Mm-hmm. And this was not that. This was. She was angry, yes. But the, there was a. Re, you know, the way she reacted to things wasn't just. The, the way that you see in quite a lot of very one-dimensional character representations of young black women it was she had she had nuance and she had she she didn't always just lash out yeah she wasn't just angry like, yeah exactly that's I, I think that's the thing like she was angry because she was being treated shitty yeah, she didn't and, come and in angry understandably angry and yeah didn't well and even then you don't necessarily need to justify your anger as a black woman no, um, or as any woman but specifically as a black woman but the yeah. thing is that they didn't try to introduce her as this loose cannon sassy angry mm. black character they introduced her as a new character who was immediately put upon and reacted with justifiable and frankly restrained anger yeah. who also, that anger was constructive, not destructive. Yes. Again, I do not think that it was trying to make her out to be the model of how a black woman should respond. I think it was just a an accurate representation of how a person would respond. Yeah. yeah. Instead of a soapification of that. She was treated in a way that I was really... It felt really good to see that character 
develop in that way and be portrayed in that way. Treated like a person. Treated like a person, exactly, yeah. It's amazing, by the way, that in 2022, and I know that this is part of the basis of our podcast, but it's amazing that in 2022 we're still like, isn't it great that these people are being treated like people? Yeah, and we said the same (gasps) thing on our Heartstopper episode. We did. Yeah. So yeah, Lucy I really liked, Mitchell I really hated, really hated the principal. I had quite, actually quite strong emotional reactions to a lot of the characters. Was there anyone that you that I haven't talked about yet that you first hmm. talking about I I want to talk about the principal because you principal can't. Shelley can fucking do one like I agree with you for this for just to be clear I agree with you about Mitchell the cunt and Lucy who is awesome I had very strong feelings about the principal she made me so angry oh god and add mm. now I have the emotional fragility of like fractured China at the moment, but still, I was like, every time she was dismissive or anything, I was just like, the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you letting these people down? You are in a position of care and you are a woman in a position of care who has risen to the top of her career and you are fawning over a 16-year-old boy at the expense of the lives and well-being of hundreds of children. Fuck you. Yeah, she was dreadful. And it made me really, really sad and angry. And yeah, I did watch this at a particularly raw moment for feelings about care for children. But yeah, fuck her. And I kind of liked that I felt that way mm. because sometimes I think when we watch shows that do try to tackle the quote unquote big issues, you do have a teacher figure who's like cool and wise and just gets it and is like there for everyone. Not unlike the art teacher in Heartstopper. Mm. The problem is that I actually think that a lot of students, the majority of students do not have a figure like that that they can turn to. I can't immediately, off the back of my school experience, think of that many teachers that I would have been comfortable speaking to in the circumstances that these students were dealing with. I went to a different school, I had a different experience, but still, I can't imagine, and I had mostly pretty good teachers, like, not everyone has good teachers, let alone Mm. super cool chill teachers, if the figurehead is corrupt, I mean, what are you going to do? And kids are always told, you know, speak to a trusted adult. If you can't speak to a parent because it's difficult to speak to a parent, speak to a teacher. And these students had no one. They yeah. had no one because yeah. they didn't have a... Tr- the, the, the teacher that should have been their most trusted teacher, for a myriad of reasons that you're told to trust people as a teenager, including but not limited to the fact that she is a white woman... I also think she was the only female teacher that we saw. Yeah, there was a, a receptionist. That's yeah. it. Like, they didn't have that. Mm. And that shit. Yeah. And it made me really sad. So, fuck her, but also props to Marcia Gay Harden for the portrayal, because, like, as we've said yeah. a million times, if you can portray someone that you kind of hate, you'd probably yeah. do a really good actor. A hateable, yeah. <laughs> People swear at you in the street, you've done a good job. Yeah, and I had conflicted feelings about Claudia, who is the main character's best friend, who has her own conflicted feelings about the rebellion revolution that's happening. I thought that I really understood her 
and always almost felt a bit protective of her because her reasoning and her background were different. I didn't think that the film gave enough space to explore that because that is one of the driving conflicts of the films. But it is a conflict in the sense that it drives a rift between the Vivian and Claudia because they both don't feel like they're supporting each other. It doesn't really, like, and it tries to, but doesn't really go into in enough detail the different experience that being quote-unquote rebellious is for a white character and an Asian Mm. American character and the different repercussions that that would have for Claudia over Vivian in her life and it's almost like the forgiveness is I'm sorry that I wasn't rebellious enough I'm sorry that I made you feel like I ignored you for your boyfriend not I'm sorry that I completely ignored that not everyone needs to do things the way that I need to do them yeah which is kind of leads on to a a bigger criticism that I have about the film which is that I think that it was the wrong format like sometimes I watch tv shows and think this could have been a fucking film this is a film where I'm like this I would have much preferred this to be a miniseries and it could have been the same kind of length that Heartstopper was with eight half hour episodes and done more Mm. and I felt like there was a lot that was being addressed in this film a lot of difficult emotions I think teenagehood is difficult anyway but this is tackling race gender misogyny sexual assault me too parents hormones having sex for the first time going to university cultural upbringing yeah cultural upbringing parents moving on like Mm. divorce Divorce, and and drifting apart from friends yeah and trying to find your own identity that's quite a lot to cover and it's not a long film this is an hour and what 20 minutes it was an hour and 45 was it yeah god i mean with respect that's still not that long there are literally stranger thing episodes longer than this now which separate rant but yeah i just i kind of felt like an hour and 45 minutes was not enough time and what ended up happening was that stuff got shoved in and it wasn't that it felt that it was shoved in for the sake of it like i must put this line in about cultural identity because we haven't mentioned it yet but it was almost like it was introduced and you could see you as the uh, an, an observant watcher could see where it was going and see where the conflict is but it was never fully explored or resolved yeah one of the lines that I, that stood out to me for that reason because I was like where the fuck has this come from was the one where she so Vivian is having dinner with Seth and her mother and her mother's new guy and then she is just a Vivian's just a shitty little bratty dickhead to everybody and then storms off to her room and her mum follows her and then and then she says like why doesn't dad want me for christmas or something like yeah basically. yeah and yeah. there's there's been absolutely like zero mention of her father zero i appreciate that this if you are a child whose parents have separated particularly as a teenager it, it can be obviously a very traumatic event and can but but there was no <laughs> There was yeah. no contextualization. There was no context. And then it wasn't mentioned again. No, I I said the same thing and I knew you were as soon as you started talking, I was like, I knew you were talking about that line because it was I fucking stupid. I paused it, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? And you know, there is the very briefest of context of like she mentions that her father has a new family yeah. and something, but it was and 
I kind of rationalised it whilst I was watching it was like, well, this is a teenager with a lot of feelings. Hmm. You know, like, I mean, this you don't even need to be a teenager for this. When you're spiralling because you're stressed or whatever, everything, everything. is a thing. And you suddenly so are you saying... you a cupboard and everything falls Yeah, you it's, are suddenly yeah. saying something that hurt you. And it, like, I kind of rationalised it like that, but I also felt like that was a really jarring moment and it's it's jarring moments like that and it's the same as with the handling of claudia that made me feel like this could have been a longer series and should have been and should have been a longer series because you could have fed that in through more subtle moments it almost smacks of like it had been in there and then edits had it had been cut but there was like a leftover kind of nugget and also it, it, the other who thing would do it, that with an edit I'm I know like, oh. right what <laughs> shout out to our regular listener but yeah not to fixate on that one line but it was a very perfect example of no that, that is where... the perfect example because it was really jarring yeah I think that's the thing it's like you don't get any indication up until that moment that she has ever felt anything about her father yeah and and then all of a sudden that kind of came out and then even in that moment yeah it was brushed aside almost and it was i was sad for her but like it just felt it felt really incongruous it felt really weird yeah it did so format being my big negative and Mm. and all that kind of led to did you have any other big negatives about the film i was thinking about this when you were talking and i think a lot of the negatives i had were related to this Trying to trying to fit too much into too small a time frame, and I think that was a, a serious. It was a serious flaw because it meant things didn't feel natural. And another a moment like that was when they're at the the dance at the at the hall with the old woman, mm. and then two of the lead characters kiss, and then it just sort of it's never really brought up again. Yeah, and that, that was like that's fine, but what? Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, it was like. Let's just pepper the, it. So that, let's that, pop some lesbians. Let's in. pepper it in. Yeah, and it was like you could, like you say, there might have been some editing where that was indicated. Yeah, yeah. But instead of being indicated, it was just like, okay. And with respect, as a teenager, I never kissed anyone without any context clues. Like yeah. that, the, it wasn't that they were lesbians and there was no lead up. It was that there they was were, no romantic was no lead up, lead up yeah. at all. And not even, like, the tiniest little look. I mean, come on. We've all been on Tumblr. You can make the most out of a look. You can make (laughs) the most out of a look. And there was none of that. There was no That was another... Yeah, it was another example of that... Didn't have a problem with it. Didn't have a problem with... Oh, yeah, it was... It even being hooded. Didn't feel like it was being shoehorned in in the sense that, like, we need to find a lesbian character. Yeah. It was just... Quickly, not enough gays. Poof. Yeah. It just was... was that it... It just didn't have any context. Yeah. Which it wouldn't have if any of the other yeah, other characters could see the which yeah, strange. So that that wasn't the time I think it does a lot of it does come back to the timing, but there was another thing, and I flagged this in Heartstopper. I'm gonna continue <laughs> to flag it every time I fucking see it. Oh right, guys, get out your bingo cards. <laughs> every time Sam gets annoyed about teenagers talking about Nintendo. Because no, there was a line where I can't remember who said it. But they were talking about playing Mario Kart. I think it was Vivian and oh, her friend. Claudia. Claudia. Vivian and Claudia were talking about like, hey, come over and play. I think it was when she's like, you want to come and sleep over or whatever. And they were talking about playing Mario Kart. And I was like, 
I just I just don't think these writers know what teenagers are playing. And I don't know if it's because they have worked in the games industry in the last two years or what. But they're not playing fucking Mario yeah. Kart. Move on. It's yeah. not 1994. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was another... Like, it was just a tiny throwaway line, but I did write in my notes. Mario Kart again! <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it did have the, the, the timing flaws, the kind of... It was just a glossing over a lot of things mm-hmm. because it tried to fit so much in, and I think that was its major flaw. I think generally, though, that cr- kind of criticism, mostly fair, like... Yeah. Basically, we just wanted more, which is yeah. not really a bad thing to hear. What we do need more of is more wine. So we're going to mm-hmm. top our glasses and take a break, maybe have a wee, and we will see you shortly. So we're back from our break. We're going to talk some more about the film Moxie, but we also want to check in and see how we are finding the wine. And again, that is the Desire Lush and Zin Primitivo off of, off of Pugla. Am I still drinking it? How are you finding it, Kim? Really, really easy drinking. Mm, I am nice. dangerously enjoying this and not just because I've had a hard day. This is very close to the kind of red wine that I like love. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the slightly less than special occasion version of that, where mm. it's... It's a little bit more than I would maybe pay for an average night in, but it definitely feels like just a really good version of what it's trying to do. It's a, it's a really nice, flavorful red. It's not overpowering. It doesn't get all up in your nose. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a nice, gentle buzz going. How about you? Splendid. Yeah, for a red, I'm quite enjoying it. It's just, I'm having that thing that I have after more than two glasses of red where my tongue is a bit like... I would like to brush your teeth. I would like to brush my tongue. This is um, definitely giving me, I do need to brush my teeth vibes. Like, yeah. I don't think that this is something that you could have a lot of. No. Sharing it sharing with it you. Sharing it or, yeah. Or, like, or sharing it even in, of an evening is, is right. It's a very drinkable red and good, good pick. Good. I'm glad. So, speaking of enjoyable and easily consumable, Moxie. Yes, Moxie. Nice. Yeah. So I mentioned before the break that this reminded me of a few different films and I was intrigued to see if you if you kind of picked up the same vibes as me because a couple of the things it reminded me of, it reminded me of Easy A mm-hmm. in that I guess maybe the sort of rebellion, sick of the way they're being treated by like the dress code thing and all that mm-hmm. kind of side of it. So yeah, it reminded me of VZA. It reminded me a bit of Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. which is not a teen film, but there was something in the the standing up for mm, the me tooness of it all. Yeah, the me too the me tooness of it all. Good. And then yeah, it reminded me a bit a little bit of Heartstopper, which we talked about the other day. I don't know if it's just because it's a, a modern high school thing or what, but there were there were similar vibes in places. Mm-hmm. What did was there anything else that it reminded you of? Yeah, I agree with you, definitely. I hadn't pinpointed that it reminded me of EZA. Great film, by the way. Yeah, great film. Really, now I immediately want to watch EZA and just, like, suck the rest of this <laughs> off because that's like a comfort... It's like a comfort <laughs> film for me. But also, you've got the, the friendship breakup thing there mm. going on, the, like, handling things slightly differently mm. thing. But I hadn't really twigged that, like, mentally exactly, but it was it definitely there in subconscious. I was... Constantly comparing this with Heartstopper, but I think because I've so recently very watched Heartstopper, yeah. it's very fresh in my mind. And I 
do not expose myself all that often to things of the moment. But also it was the the love story element of Moxie and the kind of dorkiness of it. The like, oh, where shall we go for our date? A mortuary. Oh my god. Was yeah. so quirky and I was a little bit like, okay, okay, this is like basically spinning indie film roulette yeah of like like spin the wheel so it reminded me in that regard of things like nick and nora's infinite playlist mm. and which also i think has you know has elements of that kind of rebellion feeling of being different um easy a is a good example I, there are others which aren't immediately springing to mind but that kind of anything with michael Sarah, basically <laughs> yeah. scott pilgrim <laughs> yeah it was giving me very kind of like 2009 to 2012 vibes in a good way like the the better parts of all those films before times (laughs) but made better and made less gross and less focusing on the woes and feelings of the male character and even you know it's i think it's worth noting that our central male character who is the good guy is you know not white and is just a cool dude and super cute like that alone set it apart for me but it was definitely giving me all those vibes Mm. i think as well it was reminiscent of the classic early aughts teen movies late 90s early aughts teen movies you know the anything starring Kristen dunst kind of bring it on or cinderella story or all this sort of stuff they're like here are the jocks and here are the not jocks <laughs> and here's everyone else and yeah. there is a girl and is she different and would you put a mask on her and suddenly no one knows who she is yeah vibes yeah a la Mingo, which i think we're going to talk about in a moment but you know cinderella story like teen movie she's man that's the other it one also- is, i was like trying to get there I was going to say she's a man because of the principal thing. Mm. Like, obviously, David Cross in She's a Man is not a dickhead principal, but that kind of, like, weird inability to relate to the student. There was something about the two that was very yeah. similar, I thought. There are a lot of elements, basically, mm. I think is the is the take-home from mm. this. That this definitely... I don't think it was a deliberate homage every single time, but I do think that this film was made in mind of teen movies that came before that and either what you might expect to watch and breaking it down or like a slight irreverence for that which i think is interesting because it's a teen movie and you can kind of assume that teens probably aren't watching fucking bring it on or whatever now so i do think as well this was a teen movie made for an older audience as well yeah possibly in a way that we talked about Heartstopper and that we don't think Heartstopper was made for for us us I think that this was both made for us and for teenagers. One of the ones you mentioned there was Mean Girls, and I do want to talk about that quick, like, briefly, because obviously Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are are kind of a a double act in a lot of ways. They have worked together for years. They're very good friends. And I want to talk about Mean Girls because there's a couple of points where Mean Girls is referenced within Mm. this movie, and Mean Girls is a seminal teen film for Mm. a lot of of people our age and I think still sort of ongoing a lot of people love that movie what do you think Mean Girls says about the time that it was created and released in versus what Moxie says about the time it was created and released in now because they are there's 20, 15 years between them I think yeah 
it's an interesting one. I don't know how much I'm actually going to be answering your question, but mm-hmm. I think that there is a very clear difference between the two films in that, and that is because of the time period, because Moxie is dealing with an issue that is bigger than the school. Mm-hmm. So in Mean Girls, the issue, which we all know from viewing it, is bigger than the school, is treated as a school issue. Yeah. Is treated as there is one bully, there is a problem amongst the girls in this school, but the way that it's presented is that it all stems from this one group of people who have infected everyone else and made it all cliquey. Mm-hmm. So while we as viewers know that cliques are an issue, the way that the film addresses it is that cliques are an issue in this school. Whereas Moxie deals with an issue in this school that as far as I know and fucking hope is unique to this school, which is the super gross and misogynistic ranking of women it takes that issue and puts it into a wider frame because it frames it with me too the the, the me too movement and why women should be fighting against this and both of these things both of these films take outside characters and bring them in to stir up that conflict and i think the key difference is that in Mean Girls, the outside person is Katie, who is naive. And in Moxie, the outside person is Lucy, who is, for lack of a better word, woke. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, that is the that is the inciting incident. So that's, that's the key difference, is that Mean Girls, I think, is more insular. Moxie is dealing with an inside issue, but is looking outwards. But also, I just think because... The world has changed. The world has changed beyond... No, the world hasn't changed. People, and young people especially, have changed for the better, which is that they have more resources and more awareness of the world around them Mm -hmm. because they have those resources to give them that awareness and therefore they care a shit ton more and are able to do a lot more. We... This is if not a fully accurate, at least adjacent to accurate representation of the fact that young people and teenagers now can and do care, if not more, more widely because of what's available to them and are using their voices accordingly. Yeah. Their worlds are bigger. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I agree. There's Mean Girls is very, it's a kind of navel gazingy type. Not even navel gazing, but yeah, he's he's small and concentrated to that school. I think the other sort of difference is that Mean Girls feels much more like it's there to go for the laughs. It's not there to necessarily teach a lesson about. How we can all be different, but also the same, and bake a cake full of sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> it's it, the the primary thing that people like about Mean Girls is that it's it's funny. funny. With Moxie, there are humorous 
moments in it, but it's it's not it's a comedy, but it's not like a it's a gentler comedy. It's a bit different. It's not a laugh track. No, and it, it feels a lot more like it's trying to achieve a change in perspective rather than just hey, look how funny this person has cut holes in someone's t shirt and you can see their bra. Classic. Which I guess is it's kind of a it's kind of a continuation of what you're saying, but it No, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah it's it's not about the laughs. Like no. this is a film that the meaning yeah. is front and centre over the laughs. And I think that's a reflection of the difference in Amy Pearl and Tina Fey generally in their styles. I mean, even if you look at something like Thirty Rock versus Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is much more all-encompassing show, and rather than Thirty Rock, which is a little bit absurd, and you know. So I think I just think it's really interesting that both these writers have chosen to do female orientated, orientated, female-oriented high school movies, and they've turned out so very differently, despite the fact that these women have worked together and you know, done so many things together. I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. It is interesting because I think you can care about the same thing and care about it differently. Mm-hmm. Which, interestingly, is part of the message of Moxie. <laughs> so, speaking of Mean Girls and that kind of that kind of genre of the high school movie, high school female-led movie especially, how do you... Do you think that Moxie is kind of part of a movement away from the kind of things we watched when we were when we were teenagers Mm -hmm. and the movies and the stories that we saw or do you think it is not as progressive as potentially we we might give it credit for both i guess because i think that yes it is a movement away from the kind of teen movies that i referenced earlier but at the same time like it probably isn't as revolutionary as as maybe it is worth an entire episode but Mm. i think as we've talked about before it's 2022 and we're still amazed that these kind of stories are being made. And the fact is that we're not always the target audience for things, but we're not like fucking rock dwellers. We are people with <laughs> an awareness of pop culture who consume a lot of pop culture. And... Some of the other podcast on it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, we arguably pay attention to these things these things critically more so than other people and yet we are still amazed and interested that these things are being portrayed on tv and we are watching things outside of what we perceive to be our you know area Mm. the things that are marketed towards us so we're trying to watch things that wouldn't not necessarily would not necessarily cross our paths and still finding that it's unusual even in those realms, yeah. to have things portrayed. And it definitely is within the last two, three years that we're seeing more of this, but it's still rare enough that it's, it's unusual. Mm-hmm. I think that there is more of it now. There is more of it now than there was 15 years years ago. But as with racial and sexual representation in books, we are a long way off proportional representation according to population division yeah and that's bullshit and so i think maybe we'll cease to be amazed but we won't cease to shout about them yeah so speaking of kind of the inclusivity and sexuality 
you know, wokeness, I hate that word so much, but the mm-hmm. the acknowledgement that there are social groups and cultural groups beyond just the one that you are part of as a white feminist. This show, one of the key kind of themes and one of the, the, the plot points is based around the, the riot girl movement of the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And that was very much like a, a post-feminist punk movement very centered around music and there was a specific kind of aesthetic as well the pop the riot girl look was a thing mm-hmm. and it was to do kind of with this it sort of followed on the back of third wave feminism from the 80s and late 80s early 90s the show makes a point and again it's one of those throwaway things that probably could have been done better had the show been given more time and it says uh, amy polo's character is talking about when she would protest and riot as, as a teen woman in her early 20s at, during the riot girl movement and you know she has a, mm-hmm. an entire trunk full of like riot girl zines and all that kind of yeah. thing because you know convenient plot and she makes a point of yes we did all of that but we were not intersectional we were it was very white it wasn't inclusive enough and it wasn't it was very much about one one group of women do you think this movie almost is an apology for that yeah yeah like yeah i think so this movie was directed by amy pola and i think for her that line was very important and it was important for her to deliver it yeah because she delivers it as the character of vivian's mum in this show and I think that that was important. I think that was a very much like you can still learn something even at X, Y, Z old. I don't think the whole film is an apology, mm. but I do think that it was very consciously decided to make that point. Yeah, and I, I think, like you say, the, the fact that she said it, or her character said it, was, was very much... If that line had been said by one of the younger characters potentially it could have been more impactful and less kind of mm. patting themselves on the back look and maybe that's not fair actually like we're trying to correct what we didn't consider at that point because we've learned more and we've grown and obviously we all learn more and grow as we get older that's the point i actually felt that it was more impactful coming from yeah the older character yeah because because of Learning. How often do we actually see all the characters admitting that they're wrong? Yeah, true. Like, and especially all the characters who are already quote-unquote woke. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that for a lot of people, ourselves included, there are people in our lives of various generations that we feel like are never going to get it. Mm. And even if we think that these people... Oh, your generation just love that, don't you? Yeah, oh. and even if even if we know and believe that these people were revolutionaries in their time, you know, rebelled against things in their time, now, for some reason, have, are digging their heels in because we, their children, are, or we, their younger counterparts, are telling them, telling them something. And I thought that it was refreshing and impactful to see someone do that. And it, True. And it made me think... As I mentioned earlier, I think that this film is not just meant to be watched by teens. And the more I think about it, I'm like, is this meant to be watched by parents and teens? Is this supposed to be, hey, look, you can do it too? If I were, maybe that seeing a parent character who is 
having experiences that I had, that might be yeah. a really subtle way of, you know, you want to do right by your kid. You want to, you, 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 like, you're not you're horrible. The adult, you don't know everything. Yeah. You don't know, like, yeah. but also that you don't know nothing. Yes. I think this, that that's a balance that this film does quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. But I think one thing that stood out to me with this film is the this idea of Vivian revisiting her mother's rebellion and she creates her own zine. She takes her mother's old leather jacket that's covered in all the patches and things like that. And I was interested in that because it almost, almost felt like people... This happened 30 years ago, but the world is still like it is. Mm-hmm. So how effective was it mm-hmm. that that happened? And do we need to just keep doing it? And was it a comment on that? And I, what did you feel that? Because to me, it was very much like we are building. We are. We still need to keep going. We still need to keep this and developing it because it wasn't successful the first time around, or it wasn't entirely successful because of you know considering the intersectionality and things like that. But mm-hmm. like not just that, the experience for all women is still not better because this, what we saw on screen from the male characters was fucking awful. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that it is one of those things where it's like, there are incremental changes, but you do have to keep hammering at home. Yeah. Like, people always say Rome wasn't built in a day. But you also can't destroy things in a day. You, you Yeah, you can't destroy institutional yeah and people build and people build back up and build on top of things like i think that yeah we maybe 30 years ago didn't do enough but we also didn't have a magic wand like you know this has been thousands of years of bullshit Mm -hmm. we did something a foundation was laid the next layer was done and then this is the next one good work takes time I think it's what this did well was it it was a really quite different way of saying your generation did good we need to do better the the literal taking up the mantle she takes the coat yeah so we've reached the end of the show this week but before we go we have this wine to talk about which shocker I think we are going to be rating reasonably highly we also have to rate the film which again is moxie and you can watch it on netflix so kim would you like to tell us what you thought of the desire lash and zin yeah i really liked this wine yeah i have been made quite drunk from it i have been made drunk it's one of the best wines that we've had recently in my Hmm. opinion i've really enjoyed it if i found it incredibly easy drinking so yeah i think i'm going to give it a four decent i just feel like i've really enjoyed it it's pretty tasty yeah. it's it's gone down quick smooth af <laughs> yeah it's it's come back to my caveats i have enjoyed it for red i didn't i haven't enjoyed it as much as the bella verita that we had once of future witches oh that's interesting so which is another red that we had recently and it was it it tastes a bit like headache and heartburn <laughs> after a while. Yeah, that's And that's fair. the issue I have. But the flavours, very nice. It is very light. For something that says it's like a big, bold red. Flavours, yes. In terms of texture, and oh, I hate to use this word, mouthfeel, not so much. But I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for... Let's go 3.5. Why not? Feeling generous on a Monday. It's not rich. It's, it's not, not rich, rich but it's... Oh, it's pretty fucking good. Speaking of pretty fucking good... PFG. How do you feel about Moxie? Yeah, I, I liked it. I do think it would have benefited from being a series, like mm-hmm. you said. Will I watch it again? 
maybe, but it's not going to be one of those, hey, I'm drunk and I want to watch something familiar. It's not a sleepover film, Mm -mm. like some of the originals that we've talked about. The OGs, the Bring It Ons, the Mean Girls is... I think it does very admirable things, and I think in places it's funny, and I think the acting is brilliant, but it's not a standout. So... 3.5. 3.5. Same as the wine, I think. Mm. I think I agree 3.5. I would describe it as a quite a good intro to feminism film. Yeah. I don't think it's designed for young audiences per se, but I think that it is designed to be entry level for mm. many audiences. Yeah. So 3.5 overall for both of us for Moxie. So that brings us to the end of the show, but don't forget to come back in two weeks' time. We'll have a brand new episode for you. And for reference, two weeks, if you are listening back to this, is every other Sunday we will have a new episode dropping. In the meantime, you can find us on social media. We are on on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can go to our website to see our show notes, to find out more about the wines that we've tried, and also just to see our faces, because why wouldn't you want to do that? And our website is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. In the meantime, have a lovely fortnight and we'll see you soon.